Today I will do what others won't, so tomorrow I can do what others can't. Jerry Rice Hi, welcome to another episode of Podcasts and Walks. Uh, little mini episodes that I'm doing while actually walking, kind of combining habits or stacking habits as I like to call it. Um, this is the Genius Time Podcast. I'm your host, Kenny Lowe, and today I wanted to talk about standing out. I wanted to talk about setting yourself apart from the pack, right? So how do we do that? What are some best ways to do that? One of the things that I've always identified as a way to stand out is to simply do what others aren't willing to do. So I can tell a story about being, I think it was like sophomore year in high school. So I'm about 15, had first period English class. First period English class with Miss Steiner. Shout out to Miss Steiner, Grant High School, Northeast Portland. Um, but in her class, first period English was kind of rough, right? So we're all like half asleep, not really into the class, you know, and she's asking us questions about, you know, book reports and articles and, you know, we're, we're just going through the motions. And it was about halfway through one of the quarters where, you know, me just kind of being a goofball, I'm not a great student, never was, but one of the things that I wanted to do was just you know, engage with her and kind of be the suck up, right? So nobody's, I just recognize nobody's answering these questions. Everybody knows the answers. They're pretty basic, but nobody's engaging because everybody's like half asleep. So what I started to do was just anytime she asked a question, I'd raise my hand to answer. And, you know, after a couple times, a couple of the guys on the football team with me, they knew exactly what I was doing. I was just, you know, just being that guy, right? Like just answering any question just for the sake of answering. And I did that for the rest of the class and everybody, you know, half the people are smirking because they know I really not like trying to engage in class like that. I was just, you know, being a goofball. But I do that and she's like, Kenny, can I speak to you after class? (laughs) And so in my head, I'm like, oh man, I'm about to get lit up. I'm about to get in trouble because, you know, she she knew I was just being a, a goofball and just pretending. Um, pretending to really care about the subject and answers and stuff. So everybody leaves and she speaks to me after class and she's just with all honesty and you know all authenticity, she's like, I very much appreciate it and value your participation in class today. And I'm floored. I'm like, in my head, I'm thinking like, you know I was just doing that as a joke, right? Like I'm just trying to suck up, just messing with you. But I was like, really? She's like, yeah. You know, that was wonderful to have you participate. You know, thank you so much. And so I left and I, you know, I'm out in the hallway. My friends are waiting for me and they're like, you know, are you getting in trouble? And I'm just like, no, you know, she said she appreciated my participation. And for the rest of that class, for the rest of the term, all I did was simply strive to be one of the first people to answer her questions if she asked the class a question. And all of a sudden I started getting better grades spelling tests, better grades on assignments. By the end of that term, I was competing with like the smartest girl in the class for the best grade in the class. I actually, I think I had like over, cause I was doing extra credit too. It got me engaged in the class, right? Like whether she was genuine or not, it got me engaged. And so I was going above and beyond answering her questions. She was engaging with me, giving me good grades. And so I saw like my behavior directly affected the results I was getting in class. 
and I ended up getting like 115% in the class, but I couldn't beat, I think it was Marissa, I couldn't beat her, she had like 120% in the class, because we used to do extra credit and stuff. So, I finished the year with an A in English, which for me was kind of unheard of, right? Like, my A's came in choir, <laughs> like my A's came in electives, right? Weight training and, and choir. Um, but so I got an A in English, and she recommended me and wrote a letter of recommendation for me to be in honors English by the time I went to junior, uh, junior year in high school. And I was just floored. Like, really? All I, all I was doing in my mind was sucking up, just being like the goody two-shoes in class, answering her questions. But I, that willingness to just do what other people weren't doing, whether playful or pretend or not, that willingness directly affected my grade. It got me over 100%. So I ended up getting an A in that class, moving on. Didn't take honors English because I got in that class and I was like, man, all these fools are nerds. But, but um, so I went back to what we call ghetto English at my high school, just the regular English class as opposed to honor. Um, but either way, I got to see the direct results, like my results improved based on my willingness to participate when others won't. And so that was like one of the first times in an academic setting I got to see that happen. I was used to seeing that in sports, right? Like you go the extra mile, you put in more work, then typically you get to see the results on the football field or, or the basketball court or track. You get to see the results and you stand out, right? When you're willing to put in the extra work. So, you know, a big motivator for me was a saying I heard some Navy SEALs training that was saying, uh, pain is temporary, but pride lasts a lifetime. So in that video, they were saying the pain is temporary of, you know, their, their boot camp and their, their training. That pain is temporary, but the pride of becoming a SEAL will last a lifetime. And so for me, that was kind of my motto in training and preparing for the football season, right? So I'm in the weight room thinking pain is temporary, but the pride of beating people, you know, one-on-one -on -one in the football field, the pride of of being able to beat my man, the pride of being able to line heads up against, you know, shout out to Jeremy Jackson, um, being able to line up against a guy who's being recruited by D1 schools because he's 6'4", 315 pounds, and here I am, offensive lineman, 5'9", you know, 270 or something, being able to line heads up with him and compete and win. And, you know, so I just knew in my mind, I was always willing to outwork the competition, right? And it's, it's something that just carried over into my professional career. It's something that I just, is like ingrained into me. So be willing to make that sacrifice, that delayed gratification, right? So you put in the work now for results later. So I'd be in the weight room training and I'm thinking, okay, if Jeremy Jackson is doing, you know, three sets of 10, I'm gonna do three sets of 12. You know, if he's doing 275, I'm gonna do 315. So just putting in that extra work, that willingness, that mindset, and that, you know, that's same thing carried over into my professional career. So not a lot of people out, out of college were willing to take essentially minimum wage jobs. And so I ended up taking a job. Um, it might have just have been right above minimum wage, but essentially is right at it. You know, and here in Oregon, it, I think it was about nine dollars an hour out, out of college. Took that job. But I was willing to I was willing to take that job when others weren't. Right. So I was separating myself from people then. And then not only was I willing to take that job, but anytime there was an open and available shift, like, you know, people calling in sick, pretending to be sick, um, I would take the shift. And so I was working 50, 60, sometimes at one week I worked 70 some odd hours in four days. So I was taking every open shift, separating myself from not only the people that weren't willing to take 
the minimum wage job, but separating myself from the people that took the job and just working, just outworking them. And lo and behold, got promotions, right? So, uh, you know, I may have shared that story with some folks before, but I got promoted, ended up managing that nonprofit shelter for several years. And, and that's been the story of my career, right? Just create separation and continue working, like just outwork your competition. And one of the things that that reminds me of actually is a talk I heard with Bo Eason. So Bo Eason was a, a all pro defensive back, a safety um, in the NFL. If you played Tecmo Boa, then you've probably played with him, uh, you know, probably seen him stand out because he's, he's actually a super good character in that game. But so one of the things that Bo Eason said is he was working with a trainer who was a, a Olympic sprinter who competed in and um, competed against Usain Bolt, right? Usain, Usain Bolt is like the fastest man that's ever existed on the planet, right? World record holder for 100 and 200 meters. So his trainer competed against him. And what he said was, you know, essentially my top speed and Usain Bolt's top speed are basically the same. But the, the difference, it's that illusion, the illusion that's created where it looks like he's pulling away it's not necessarily that he's pulling away in the 100 meters it's everybody else is slowing down faster so he was able to put in the work and the conditioning and have the strength and stamina to get up to that top speed and sustain it just a little bit longer than everybody else to where everybody else is dying off and slowing down right but what that what that creates is that illusion where it looks like Usain Bolt is pulling away by 60 70 80 meters but everybody else is really just slowing down. You know, he's slowing down too, right? He can't, he can't hold the top speed forever, but he trained to the point where his slowdown, you know, his gradual decline is slower than everybody else's. So that creates the illusion where he's pulling away. So one thing I would do to recommend for you, you know, if you're looking to stand out is one, you gotta be willing to put in the work that other people aren't. And right then that separates you from many, many people, right? That willingness, even just having the willingness to put in the work. But once you do that, the other thing I would say is, you know, it builds a level of confidence. When you know you're willing to put in the work that other people aren't, that, puts, that builds a level of confidence. Another thing that builds tremendous confidence is keeping, making and keeping the promises you set with yourself. When you can keep promises that you make to yourself, that's just gonna continue to close that loop and build confidence in yourself. So when you do those things, it's inevitable that you're gonna stand out. It's inevitable that your pace, other people can't keep up, but your slowdown, your decline, will be much slower than other people. You know, in, in this can, you know, in other episodes, I'll probably talk about this, but this can pertain to your nutrition, this can pertain to your health and fitness, whatever it is, whatever your goals are, your finances, you know, like, everybody everybody dies you know and essentially that you can consider that going broke but if you go broke slower you know if you die later essentially you just went broke slower right that's kind of a weird weird metaphor weird something to think about but um yeah what i wanted what i really wanted to just drive home today on this episode of podcast and walk sorry for the traffic noise but i what i really wanted to just drive home was create that separation by having the willingness to stand out and then keeping those promises you make to yourself, whether it's just getting up. You know, so many people don't even set their alarm or just, you know, they keep hitting snooze. 
and they're not, they can't even keep the promise to themselves to get up out of bed and start the day. So where do you think that's gonna land you if you can't even get out of bed and keep that promise to yourself of get up on time, get up when you say you're gonna get up. If you can't keep that promise, what do you think that's gonna do compared to somebody that who's, who doesn't even need their alarm clock? You know, Eric Thomas says, my passion wakes me up. You know, I used to hear my upstairs neighbor in my apartment complex hit snooze for like an hour, right? So every like five, 10 minutes, the alarm's going off. And I'm sitting there shaking my head like, man, you can't even keep the promise you make to yourself and get up out of bed and get going and get after it. So I, what I would do is encourage everybody to start. Most people don't even set promises, you know, so start with setting promises to yourself. You know, it could be as basic as making sure you get up when your alarm says, when your alarm goes off, making sure you get up out of bed to start your day. And I'll talk about some other strategies in terms of morning routines to kind of optimize, optimize your living. You know, the secret there is it's actually going to start with what time you go to bed. You know, it's a lot easier to roll out of bed. If you didn't wait till midnight, 1, 2 a.m., and you know you, know you got to get up at 6, that alarm's going to go off at 6. It's a lot easier to get up if you was already in bed, you know, 9, 10, 9, 10 o'clock. It's a lot easier. That 6, that 6 a.m. alarm, you know, is welcomed. <laughs> Sometimes you hopping up out of bed because you're getting too sore. But either way, I just wanted to list those thoughts for you and I'll talk to you later.